0: Hey there, it's Ashley Stahl here, counterterrorism professional turned career and business coach. And I am here for those moments when you look in the mirror and you realize it's time to make some sort of radical change or U-turn in your life so that you can stop operating on cruise control and start living your life on purpose. So join me here on the U-turn podcast every single week where you're going to be hearing from inspiring, insightful guests, be it CEOs, spiritual leaders, love experts, or of course, yours truly so that you can Become your very best self without having to take life so seriously. And don't forget, if you head on over to U Turn Podcast. Dot com. That's y-o-u-t-u-r-n podcast.com. You're going to get access to show notes, which have books and resources mentioned by our guests, as well as access to one of my four free e-courses over at u-turnpodcast.com. Whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch that dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. Woof. Okay, enough about me. Let's get this party started with this week's guest.
1: This episode is brought to you by Cake Publishing,
0: ghostwriting, publicity, and copywriting house. There to help influencers and entrepreneurs get their voice out there in a much bigger way. If you're ready to make a bigger impact, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Hey everybody, it's Ash here, and I am with my friend Lori Davis Edwards, the founder of The Worthy One, and she is an expert on love and relationships, a friend and a new mom. Lori, thank you so much for being here with me on the show. Of course,
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I am too. And you know, those of you who are listening right before we started pressing the record button, we were talking about what to cover and we decided to go through one of my favorite topics because it's a lifelong journey and that's how to upgrade your worthiness. And since Lori is such a master at love and relationships, I figured we could talk about how to upgrade your worthiness in love. So I'm curious, Lori, you know, most of the time people have had their own journeys with this. So what has been your journey, you know, in, in worthiness with love?
1: Oh my gosh, it's been a roller coaster, I think. Um I think that's true for a lot of us, right? Um my own journey with worthiness started when I was young. Um started in in one of our first relationships that we have in the world with my dad. Um, only my dad wasn't around. Um, my mom was 17 when she had me. So, um, he chose not to be part of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. and I felt deeply abandoned by this man I had never met my whole life. Um, and so that like started me off feeling like I wasn't good enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't good enough for that, like essential relationship that we should all get to have in our lives. Um, And it started showing up in a lot of my relationships in life. Um, The interesting thing though, is that even though I felt really abandoned, I also got to witness my mom be very worthy because my mom met another man around the time I was born. And I got to watch them fall in love like my whole life.
0: Wow. And so even though you had experienced this loss with your dad, and maybe there are some stories in your head about, you, you know, you made some meaning about it with you, perhaps. Did you feel like with your mom, it gave you hope and love
1: watching her have that experience? A hundred percent. And I think I got to see this like real love, not this like Disney version of love that we often grow up with as kids, but like, you know, my mom like actually falling in love wow I feel life.
0: like it's so weird thinking about our parents falling in love for some reason that makes me
1: squirm <laughs> like and god
0: bless you Lori. like in the right field that you think it's a beautiful thing like the thought of my me watching my mom fall in love like it's a beautiful thing I love my mom but I'm like ooh, like you're my mom it's a secret
1: I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I I I didn't grow up in a world where that felt really taboo, right? Because I think for most people it does. And for me, it just didn't because it was part of life. Like I was on their dates with them, you know, like a toddler eating my mac and cheese next to them while they were having like a nice meal. (laughs) Oh my
0: God. That just makes me think of like Kraft macaroni and cheese. Like all of us have cut years off of our life from eating that. Oh my
1: God. Um, But yeah, so this kind of like push pull I've had with worthiness has like showed up in relationships throughout my whole life. Um, And I think that's real. And it's true for for a lot of us, right, that we go through these kind of ups and downs and how we feel about our worth like we may have months or years even where we feel like we are completely worthy we are on top of the world and then we may have months or years where we feel like worthless Hmm. um Hmm. and it shows up in our actions and it shows up in our relationships like for me i at one of my the times where i felt the most worthless i was in a relationship with a catfisher like way before anyone knew what catfishing was um I was in a two-year relationship with a man that I never met and I don't even know if he really exists.
0: Oh my god, like I can't I have so many questions and I'm so curious like what do you think it is in our self-talk that gets us to this place where we make compromises for ourselves that are abandoning what we really want?
1: We are amazing storytellers yeah so <laughs> we are there. we can tell ourselves stories about anything if you think about it, life is like one big story and um I think that in our self-talk we tell ourselves a lot of stories in our head. We are the person we speak to the most. and so we decide when we wake up in the morning we decide how our day is gonna go based on, how we talk to ourselves and so much of it is so subconscious Mm -hmm. um so much of what we say like when you look in the mirror maybe subconsciously you're telling yourself oh i look tired you're not even aware of it
0: yeah there's so it's so sneaky it's like the art of pulling the subconscious thoughts into our conscious mind that bridge is personal development and growth and it's it feels like mental gymnastics sometimes when i'm doing it and I guess um, I'm curious, like what is a, like a, an indicator because so much of this is subconscious and for anybody who's listening, they're probably thinking, yeah, I, I do compromise with what I really want. I do uh, break promises with myself. I tell myself I want this, but then I'll do that. Um, how do how does somebody start making a shift?
1: Yeah, well, it starts like so much of our life is built upon the images we see and the things that we say. It's the words and the images that are in our life um, and in our mind. That's what creates our reality. If we can't see any more, we can't have any more. If we can't, if we don't know, like if we don't tell ourselves that we can have more, we're never going to have it. Right, And so it starts there. It really starts with um, becoming aware of your subconscious thoughts. So one of the exercises I, um, I take my clients through is I have them go through an entire day in their life and um, write down everything that they're conscious of saying and the good things and the bad things, right? So like the negative thoughts and the positive thoughts or the thoughts that are neither, um, write down as much as you can become conscious to, because when we become conscious to it, we can shift it. Um, and we can say, oh my gosh, that's silly. Of course I would never believe that. (laughs) Um, or we can sit down and look at it and say, oh shit, this is, this is what I really believe. But either way, just well, like tough. get conscious to it. And then you can shift those things, right? So then you draw a line down the page and you shift to new beliefs. Like what are the things that you want to believe? Maybe you don't want to believe you're tired in the morning, but instead um, – a, a truth for you because they have to be true. You can't go from saying I'm fat to like, I'm the skinniest person in the world. That's just not true. And that's not going to serve that's you. A right? totally
0: fine line between shifting your beliefs and massive delusion. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> But maybe you believe that you're healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's something you could say that that would be, that would serve you better
0: in that's life. Beautiful. Because I was about to say, like there are so many women where if they get really hip to what's going on, In their subconscious, they may really believe that if you lose that five to 10 more pounds or whatever the number is, that you're going to be more beautiful and that you're going to be more lovable and that the man in your life or the man that's not in your life that's coming into your life is going to appreciate you
1: more. I Um, cannot tell you how many women I speak to who say, well, I feel like I shouldn't date until I lose 10 pounds, right? And that's you saying, I'm only worthy if I'm 10 pounds lighter, which basically is you saying, I'm not worthy, period.
0: Mm, Because it's all about my weight. It's not, I'm not enough
1: as me. Right. And so you you can lose those 10 pounds and you're still not going to feel ready to date because you still don't feel worthy.
0: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, this is so fresh for me because my whole life, like I've had what a lot of people would consider a healthy, good body. Like I'm lean, I'm tall, but I'm really aware when I tip the scale that extra five pounds. And I really, if I get really with it in what I'm believing, when I look in the mirror, the first thing I'll think is, okay, I need to drop some weight, especially if I'm single. Now I'm really not safe because I'm being evaluated and god forbid if I hook up with somebody my clothes come off like that feels like 911 SOS (laughs) Uh and so I'm so curious like me being a good example because I know so many women and I'm never afraid to be real with myself like so I write this down right like I write down what I wake up with and what I would want to believe so I'm healthy I do believe that I do think that despite these extra five pounds that I wish weren't on me I am pretty healthy I have a healthy body. Um, but what if I still believe that I would be more beautiful, desirable, lovable, you know, because deep down I do. I, deep down I think, oh, well, if I lose those five or six pounds, that guy would have been into me. You know, what do, what do you do with that?
1: Yeah, there's deeper work there to do. Always, <laughs> that's the, yeah, and that's the type of stuff that we look at in um, in my program, Abundant Love. It's like it's very deep work that we do on yourself because believing, like that word that you used, is what is necessary in order to have the relationship you deserve. You have to believe. Yes, and you deserve and it, right? At happening. any weight, at any like point in life no matter what you have to believe and and it's so often that we lose that belief right and And, you know this reminds me too like I
0: have coached women on their career on their business and you know their mindset always comes up but every now and again I'll get somebody that is really convinced and with me I'm malleable I know that even though I believe that I might be a little more desirable with five pounds off of me. I know how to do the work and I can do it. But it's like every now and again, I'll find somebody that's really stuck in it. And I would love to just get some action steps. And I know you have some tools we can talk about later. But for somebody listening now, like, okay, so they journal what they believe and what they want to believe and what they actually could believe. Like I'm healthy. Obviously, they can't just go from believing I'm more lovable without these five pounds to... You know, um, just shifting that is so easy. But saying something like, I'm healthy, that's a very easy reframe. Not an easy one, but a believable reframe. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but what about people who are deeply stuck? Yeah, so so two things. One thing I want to tell you about that um, new beliefs exercise we just talked about is that the, the most important part of it is that now you wake up every morning and you tell yourself all those new beliefs first thing.
0: But are we going to feel like a big joke, like, I'm amazing, and, like, you know, like, I could just picture myself with this, like, huge pimple on my face in the mirror, which I do love myself a lot more than I sound, but I'm pointing out the things that I'm very aware of as well that I'm judging. It's like, how do you look in the mirror? Because I know so many people I've told this to, and they feel like a fraud. You know, you look in the mirror, and you're like, I'm amazing, and I'm intelligent, and I got my degree, and
1: look at me roll.
0: You know, like, how do you do that?
1: Yeah. Well, there, that's why I suggest that there are things that you actually believe. Yeah. Like you're healthy. Like you actually need to believe it. What we're doing is, um, we're rewiring your brain We're we're changing your neural pathways when you repeat them every morning. It's also easier for you to catch yourself. If you look in the mirror when you're washing your hands in the bathroom later and you start to say the old thing, it's easier to shift to the new thing that I'm healthy. Um, So that's why that's so, so important um, for you to wake up every day and say those things and why it's so important for you to create new beliefs that you feel are true for you Hmm. so that you don't feel like a fraud saying them, (laughs) you know, Um, these need to be things that you actually believe.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of like you don't need to go from I would be be I would be more beautiful if I wasn't so fat You can just go to, I'm not a healthy weight, like really being radically honest about your situation. Um, and just finding some level of reality in your belief is is what I'm hearing from you. Cause there's, there's what you believe and then there's reality and it's sometimes very separate. So, okay. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And, And one of the bullets we kind of talked about was understanding how fear plays a role. So I'd be so curious to learn from you what this means.
1: Yeah. So, um, we all have a lot of fear, right? Um, so when it comes to relationships, there are four core fears that I've identified that, um, that we may have. Okay. And so um, worthiness is a core fear, right? Like, I am not good enough. That is definitely a core fear of ours. Also, there's trust, mm-hmm. abandonment, and commitment, God, what if I feel like I'm listening to you and I'm like, well, there's a
0: little part of me that has a little of all of them. Yeah. Even though I I think I'm a really healthy person in relationships.
1: Yeah. A lot of my clients feel that way. And it's okay. Like, listen, fear is something that we created to protect ourselves at one point in time, right? Maybe it's not serving us right now in the way it shows up, but essentially it's there to protect us. So, You didn't do anything wrong if you have all four of these. I have all four of these. And they come out to play at different times, right? (laughs) woo Party, party. Yeah. Um, And the one thing I want everyone to know is that these, um, even though sometimes we can look at something like abandonment or trust or commitment and say it's about the other person, it's really not. It's about you, right? Like Mm. I... I shared earlier that I felt abandoned because of my dad. So abandonment is like a big one for me, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, And yet it's really not about someone else leaving me. Um, It's about my relationship with myself and how I feel in like standing for myself. Wow. So that's the place to work from. That's, um, That's the work that we do. In abundant love, and so, anyways, any of these core fears can be triggered. Yeah, and they can be triggered in life when something happens. They can be triggered in a relationship. They can be triggered when you first meet someone. You could be like, "Oh my gosh, he seems like so and so, and I couldn't trust him." And trust is just triggered. Or there's something that comes up in your conversation that like subconsciously reminds you of something else. Um, The more aware you can be of what's happening, which one is being triggered. Again, these are four core fears that I've identified, but there are more. So maybe for you, it's something else.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and how do you figure out which one you're leading with? Because I'm guessing between, you know, trust, commitment, worthiness, abandonment, you know, uh, the fear. Because I've dated a guy where I was like, okay, trust was his thing. Like he was freaking out about it left and right. That was his story that he Uh held with me and his core fear that he can't trust me. Um, But he was abandoned as well. And a lot of his abandonment, you know, created trust problems. And so for me, it's like. You know, my dad was an amazing, he is an amazing dad, he's hilarious, but he also had a lot of anxiety when I was a kid, so there's a part of me that felt abandoned because he couldn't be very present with me. And I think a lot of people have had like an anxious parent, a worried parent, a preoccupied parent, and they don't realize that in their youth, maybe that translated into feeling abandoned in some way, feeling like you couldn't be heard, um, and, and also maybe a pattern of wanting to be loved or wanting to prove that you're lovable. I have no idea. I mean, you're the expert here on this.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. I absolutely think that that's true, that like a lot of our lovability comes from our parents. But this is the thing is that even though it comes from that place, it doesn't mean that our parents still or or our past needs to run our life.
0: Yeah, that's what I always tell my my clients. I'm like, you learned it from your dad, but it's yours now, sister. So stop <laughs> blaming him.
1: hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. So, I mean, tell because me. when we keep blaming them, we stay in victim mode, totally. right? So and so
0: disempowered. To be a victim. Yeah. yeah, not a, not a good look for any of us. But I mean, how does somebody figure out whether which one is their core story? Do you think that people if they just take a look at that list of, you know, trust, commitment, worthiness, abandonment, and if they look at those four, they could think, "Well, I kind of know which one's mine." Or how do you recommend somebody figure out what their big story is so that they can then work on their beliefs with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it may be like supportive to journal on your last relationship and to take the victim out of it. This is what happened to me. This is what he did. Any of that? Like, let's stop those stories and get real with what happened that both of you contributed to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what happened in that and just journal on it and see what comes up. Like, see what um, felt like it was present. And after you journal on the experience, if you don't yet see the fears, then ask yourself, like, what was I afraid of? What was I so afraid of? Yeah. Oh my God. And, and it may come up that there, like, there may be other things. It may be like, well, I was so afraid of, um, that he like, didn't like me. Right. Which may lead you like, so then what?
0: Or that he, Um, I wasn't enough for him. Like, I was so afraid that like he would get bored of me or that he would leave because I wasn't enough. Like it comes back to the worthiness.
1: Exactly. And so I guess what I'm saying is like, keep going with the fears, even if some of the things that come up are are more like, these are deep fears, right? Um, That we're talking about. And sometimes in order to get to them, you need to start more at the surface level. Like I was afraid he'd get bored with me, like you said, right? Which might then take you to like well why why was I afraid he'd get bored with me I was afraid to get bored with me because um I was afraid like I'm not interesting enough like why am I afraid I wasn't interesting enough like I'm I'm not sure like my career is that great or I'm not sure that, like, I'm good enough, right? So they can yeah. lead you down to the deeper thing.
0: You know, and if you really want to shake things up, you could just send a quick text to all your exes and say, hey, <laughs> amongst these four things, which one do you think I'm the most fucked with? Trust, commitment, worthiness, or abandonment? What did you feel <laughs> for me? And let's just see if we can get straight to the source. <laughs> <laughs> That's something yeah, that I would but- do. My exes would love it. They know my, my, <laughs> I would be like, Hey, you know, remember what happened with us? It was a real mess. Like which one of these pick A through D.
1: <laughs> you let us know how that goes. Ash. Oh my
0: God. <laughs> you guys will be seeing an Insta story of me, you know, just crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I know you're a new mother. You hear baby crying all day and then you're going to hear a deep, louder cry and it's going to be me outside of the <laughs> door. <laughs> Can I come in? Can I come in? (laughs) I found that I'm option C. It's worthiness. (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth.
1: Oh, fuck. It's so real. The reason why I share these core fears isn't to be like, oh my God, we're all fucked because I think it's so easy for us to go there. We're so Um,
0: not, but it's funny because it's like, where did we all get so delusional about the truth of who we are? We are such loving people with so much to give and we just lost our pathway. You know, we lost what's true somewhere along the way, you know?
1: Yeah. So can I share one way for you to shift when you see all of the things and all of the fears? I'm,
0: I'm so available to that, Lori.
1: Okay. <laughs> so um so one thing you can do, first remember that seeing it is powerful because now you know like you know what's going on in your life. Um you know the place to work from. You know how to create the shift, right? Um I, I coach a lot around blocks Mm -hmm. with my clients, um, because if we don't know what's in our way, we can't do anything about it, Mm -hmm. right? Like completely subconscious. So bringing the subconscious to the conscious level is one of the most powerful things we can do. But now let's talk about like creating a shift. Um, of course, creating a shift in fear is a complex thing, but one tool you can use, my favorite tool is evidence journaling. And, um, Here's the thing. We see evidence to back up any fact that we want to believe. Yes. So if we are, if we want to believe that we can't trust anyone and we can't trust ourselves, we will look for the evidence to that and we will see it. And then we will reinforce that idea that we can't trust ourselves and we'll just keep believing that, right? Instead, you can look for evidence that you can trust yourself. And you can literally sit down and create a list of all the ways you do trust yourself. What are the things that have totally worked out in your life Mm. because of that core fear, whatever, whichever one it is for you. And then you can also go out into the world and look for the evidence. I I challenge you to find three pieces of evidence a day. Mm Mm-hmm that says that right like maybe you and it could be small small things in the world too like it could be that you decided to like sleep in and that really worked out for you and like awesome you trusted your your get there that like you needed more rest, you got it and now you feel fabulous.
0: You know what I love about what you're saying, Lori, is that what you're really doing and you started doing this with helping people track their beliefs earlier into our conversation and reframing them from like, I need to lose weight to I'm healthy. What you're really doing even right now with the evidence journaling is saying, hey, there's the stories you tell yourself and there's reality. And it's not like we need to ask somebody to change their story if they're committed to it. But at the very least, give yourself the gift of reality because, you know, reality, it's neutral. You know, the fact that your body is healthy is neutral. It's science. Like, look up your weight, look up your height. And if it's a little bit over the healthy scale, then you're still not, you know, it's still like, okay, my body's pretty healthy. You know, like, Uh and it's the same with the evidence journaling. So I, I have a question, though, just kind of going back is. You know, when you talk about these four things you mentioned, you know, the trust, the commitment, the worthiness, the abandonment, needless to say, that is going to influence how you show up in the relationship. Because if you don't feel worthy, you know, how can you, it's just not common sense. How can you possibly show up in this way that you feel this confidence if really what's true is that you don't. So I'm curious, can we even have real relationships, Lori, if we're playing this shit out? Because it's not real connection if, if we're all individually so wounded, I would guess. You know, and obviously we're always working on it and it's not so black and white, but if somebody, including myself, is going through a huge worthiness complex, how do you even have deep connection? You know, that really is grounded in presence and partnership and a mutual understanding versus you just always trying to play out feeling like you're deserving because that's a completely different agenda subconsciously than just the pureness of let's connect and i want to ask you this because i had a relationship where i really loved the guy a long time ago um there's a lot of reasons we couldn't be together it wasn't going to work and i just wanted to play out like that i was worthy of him trying to make it work And from that point on, it was like, how do we even have a relationship? Every interaction subconsciously for me was about showing him that I'm great enough to change things. So where do people go with that when they're showing up in the world in that kind of energy?
1: Yeah. What a great question. Yes. Um, Here's the thing. We are always healing ourselves. We're always healing ourselves if we allow it. And we can always heal ourselves if we allow it. Um, I believe that healing is a lifelong process. I think we think about healing in terms of like a wound. So I was broken and I needed to fix it. Like I broke my arm and you know, a couple months later it was healed. And our like emotionally, I feel like we're always healing ourselves. Like that never really stops. And that can be a disempowering thing or an empowering thing. Mm. And and it is up to you to choose. If you want to see, oh, my God, I'm so broken. I keep trying to prove myself. Or if you want to shift. I have a lot of women that join um, – abundant love when they're in early stage relationships and they tell me I'm joining because I don't want to fuck this one up. Right. (laughs) Totally
0: don't blame them. (laughs) That's Um, it. That's what's up. Right. Preemptive. That's good.
1: Okay. Yeah. And because, because they're like, if I were to just do this on my own, I, I'm afraid I'd fuck it up. I'm afraid that I would like, really what they're saying is I'm afraid that I'm afraid that I would let it take over and that I would look at it from a disempowered perspective. Instead, I want a way to look at it from an empowered place. And you can choose that yourself too. Mm. And you can choose that in a relationship and you can choose that every day to look at it from an empowered place and to show up from an empowered place. Mm. It's really the choice you make.
0: It's funny what you're making me think about with your program. You know, for me, I used to have a job hunting course in 30 countries and thousands of people. And now I'm running a PR firm, Cake Publishing. But before that, when I was in the e-course world and even more so in the coaching world, what my experience was, was there's a fine line for people who choose to self-develop. And it comes from the energy that they enter into it with, right? Like the energy of I'm not enough, so I need this course to fix me or the energy of, I I see some areas where I want to grow and I'm ready to grow. And it's so interesting to hear the tone that you're talking about, because I think a lot of people self-improve through the belief that they're broken mm-hmm. versus through the belief that they're healing, they're growing. Um, so what do you have to say for everybody who might be showing up in the world through fear and they want to grow? Um, what are some other tools that they yep. could apply
1: for that? So, one really powerful tool is visioning. I think that often when we show up from a disempowered place, it's because we don't know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Or we have this belief that I know where I want to be, but I don't know how to get there. Poor me. Uh, <laughs> right? How and annoying. I, so first, like, it's really important to get clear on what you want. I have, um, I personally myself, and I'm married, by the way, um, but I to a sweetheart every, in beautiful photos on Facebook <laughs> that I see quite often. Yeah, he's the best. Um, but I do a meditation every morning on my life in 10 years, my relationship in 10 years. Um, and I just like get to experience it every day. And that is what we will have, right? Mm. That's what I will have in my life. So beautiful, And that keeps me focused on, um, on what I'm moving towards, right? Because even in a marriage, you're moving towards something together, right? Mm. Um, and you can do this visioning. Um, you can do this in any area of your life too. Sometimes I do it in my whole life. Sometimes it starts with him and I, and then it's, it's basically like a day in the life that I kind of take myself through. Um, sometimes it starts with him and I like in the bathroom mirror, hugging each other and then making breakfast. And then sometimes I go off to work and then I meet up with my friends and I get to see my whole life. Um, but the relationship is, is still a part of it. Right. Um, and so like first get really clear on what you're moving towards. Um, that's a big, big part of it and then like choose to move
0: towards it well how do you get clear so like it is the process of visioning so let's say we've got like a single lady or evolved gentleman who's listening right now Mm -hmm. and let's think that you know they're sitting here thinking okay i want to find my person do you vision all the way down to how they look or is that
1: limiting you Whatever you see in your vision is right. Wow. Oh, I love that. Okay. Some women, so I um I take my clients through this like visioning process. The meditation part of it is a big part of it, but it's like one slice. Um and uh and I I do the same thing. I take them through like a day in their life. And some people see so much detail like they can tell you the his hair color and like his face shape and they can tell you when they go make breakfast that there's like two sandy haired kids running around like some some women see such detail and some women don't um sometimes I don't and I have a husband right sometimes (laughs) I just sometimes it's it's more about what I feel Hmm. Like when he comes and wraps his arms around me, when I'm like looking at myself in the mirror, it's what I feel from him. And the feeling that you have in this vision is the most important thing because you can give yourself those feelings now. Like if you're feeling joy and you're feeling secure, first, like, do what you need to do in your life to have those feelings now with you. Yes. Let someone else enhance them. I love that. So whether you see detail or not, the feelings are the most important part.
0: Mm, I love that. And, um, you know, I have a really good friend who she went through some heartbreak. I've been through my share of heartbreak and, I've had relationships since where I felt a certain thing that is very special and very unusual, and I'll feel remnants of it with someone else, maybe um, and I'll remember, oh, that's how that feels, and it's easy to forget mm-hmm. it's easy to forget what that magic can feel like and and it's easy to blame that magic on someone else, like they created that feeling. You know? mm-hmm you created that feeling that's what came up inside of your body but maybe being around them inspired it but it still comes from you so what can we do to get in touch with how we want to feel when we feel so blocked and we're trying to come up with a vision
1: yeah um i think that like going getting quiet and going into yourself is really the best way to get in touch with that um with that feeling. And like you said, to recognize that that feeling came from you, that magic came from you. It didn't come from another person. It didn't come from a relationship. Like it was something that you created. Yeah. And then I think,
0: well, if I'm 70 with a bunch of cats, it's going to be tough to get to that feeling. But no, I'm just like, I'm very aware. I I think a lot of people like have stories like that where they're like, yeah, but that's never going to come back. Um, so if let's say somebody gets quiet and they feel that feeling and they sit in that feeling, what would be the next step? Like maybe they pull up a memory that brought that feeling for them. And, and maybe that's painful, by the way, to bring up yeah. a, a past memory to get access to a feeling. Um, I can imagine that being painful for me, thinking about somebody that broke my heart in the past that I truly loved and letting myself feel that unique specialness that I had. So what would be the next step if you tap into that?
1: Yeah. So the next step is really to take inspired action. Hmm. Um, and what I mean by inspired action is I think that oftentimes um, the, the the feelings and everything that you envision is the why. It's the why why you're dating or the why you're in this relationship or the why you're living. And when sometimes we, we take action that's forced Mm -hmm. Uh, like we're like, well, everyone meets online, so I must like join a million apps. Um, But what are you inspired to do? Like, what would make you feel really amazing? Mm -hmm. Right, That's the action you should take. And like, maybe it's not actually anything directly related to meeting a man if if you're single um, or to like reconnecting with your partner. If you're in a relationship, maybe it's like, writing yourself a letter of forgiveness in that moment. Wow.
0: And what could that look like? And why would somebody do that? What would be an indicator that that would be a good action step?
1: Um, so I write myself letters of forgiveness all the time. I think they're really powerful. Um, and what it looks like is some, like you might say, like usually it's about the past or it's about the thoughts I had. Like I forgive myself for saying I'm fat. Mm. And I forgive myself for, and I just literally like forgive, forgive, and then let it go. Um, or some, for other clients of mine, sometimes their inspired action is to, um, like ask their friends to introduce them to someone. Mm. I'm going to ask five of my friends to introduce me to someone, or I'm going to like RSVP. Yes. To that party that like Judy invited me to, you Mm -hmm. know, so inspired action could look like anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just encourage you to remember that it doesn't need to look like moving forward in the way that you think it might look like it could look like many different ways.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just so for everybody listening, um, A client over at my ghostwriting and copywriting house, Cake Publishing, is a hypnotist. So I've been really into the visualization stuff because one of my ghostwriters is writing a ton of content. And uh, part of the things that the hypnotist talks about is the way that she gets the biggest results is obviously through visualization and having people feel the vision. Um, and as a final step, coming up with a mantra that brings them back to that vision and that feeling very quickly and stating that mantra every day and visualizing themselves in it. And, and so I'm curious, like, what are a couple rituals? Cause you've mentioned a few that you journal, that you forgive yourself, you know, the evidence based journaling, the visualizing, um, what are a couple rituals that are your favorite that, If you had your life without those, it just, you just couldn't enjoy life so much. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think my visioning every morning is like the ritual for me, um, that I couldn't live without. I also am really big into using essential oils, Mm -hmm. um, essential oils. If you're not aware, have so many, um, emotional growth properties, um, each oil is the oil of something like, like lavender we think of for sleep, right? Mm -hmm. And lavender is actually the oil of communication. Mm. Um, So lavender isn't just a great one to relax your mind, um, to go to sleep, but it's also a great one. If you want to have a big conversation with someone to put a little lavender oil on your throat, um, or to diffuse it in the air um so yeah i really love i do a lot of um ritual with with essential oils and it really is based on how i feel that day or what what i know needs to come forward in my life
0: Mm, okay and that's amazing and i didn't expect it so how cool slash (laughs) i have some lavender oil in my pantry so i will be putting that on for my next podcast conversation Yes. Um, but what are also, for everybody listening, what are some of your favorite resources, like books, um, on worthiness? Because, I know a lot of people listening, they want to go on a journey with this and it feels overwhelming to figure out what books to read. Um, I'm currently writing a book, um, you know, around the concept of the U-turn and turning to yourself and breaking through limiting beliefs. Um, but until that's on the shelf, like what are a few books that you think are just profound vehicles for people to deepen and connect to their true worthiness?
1: Yeah. If you haven't yet read *Rising Strong* by Brené Brown, it's a very powerful book. Um, it's a it's really all about healing. Um, it could be used if you're going through a breakup, but it also could be used if you're healing from any any past relationship or anything in the past. Um, it's all about like finding the empowering in the disempowering. Um, mm gotta love
0: her Brene Brown she just crushes it every time she does she's amazing yeah I met her at a summit and I literally think I had to like put my jaw back up because I was in total fangirl mode it was so mortifying um but reframe I'm just inspired (laughs) yes Um, okay what other books um if any do you think are really beautiful for self-esteem and worthiness and specifically love
1: um Well, one that is great, the book is called presence. Um, and it's by a body language expert. Oh, is it Amy Cuddy? Yes. Thank you. Amy Cuddy, um, is a really great book to understand physically how you're showing up, um, Mm. and things that you can do in order to physically show up different. Because listen, so much of, um, relationships are about nonverbal communication mm-hmm. and so um are like the vibe that we give off and the nonverbal communication that we are giving someone is so important i think so often we think of um if you haven't seen her ted talk or ted talk is also excellent um and it is about power posing. And if you've heard of that, you think of it like, oh, before an interview or before some time in your life where you really want to um, be powerful. But the same is true of our um, of our relationships. Like before a date, you may not necessarily want to be power posing, but you do want to be showing up. In your feminine, and if you're a woman, um, you do want to be showing up like with a certain openness and sense about you physically, too. Um, and that book really helps you understand your body and what your body language is doing for your connections.
0: That's amazing. And I mean, you're so full of wisdom. And I knew that from the day that we had that dinner party, uh, hmm. I could see that on you. So I'm curious, what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten in love or worthiness?
1: The best piece of advice I think comes from myself, actually. Yes,
0: <laughs> power on. Um,
1: one of the things that I do every day is I choose worthiness. I choose to feel worthy, to be worthy, to believe I'm worthy. I love that. And I really do... Um, I really do believe that it's a daily choice we can make. Sometimes we need to make it multiple times a day
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and often we get so caught up in where everything comes from and the fear and, oh my God, and I'm stuck and, um, and literally we can choose. Yes.
0: You know what I just heard? And I hate, I hate to admit it, but I heard so many people listening who don't feel, as worthy thinking, well, it's easy for you to choose worthiness. You're married to this amazing man. You've got this business going on like it's that it's hard, right? For so many people it's, and it's easy to look out and say, well, maybe they can choose worthiness, but not me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So I guess, you know, in that starting point of choosing worthiness, Um, what can you say to those who are listening now who, who think like that? Because I get it. Um, even when I've stepped on stages and I've keynote and I've spent over a half million dollars of business revenue on people coaching me, you know, I, I get that not everybody has drowned themselves in, in personal development. Um, so what would you have to say for the person listening, who's thinking, well, yeah, it's easy for you to choose worthiness, Lori or Ashley, but what about me? I'm different. I shouldn't. I can't. Where do they go from there?
1: Well, I'd say that I feel the same way. Hmm, that's so powerful. I don't look at my life and say. I think it's very easy for us to look at someone else's life. Yeah. Say, oh my God, they have all this stuff going on, and and I don't. Right? Like, yes, like everything that you mentioned I have and like right now my marriage is in a pretty difficult place Mm -hmm. um we are like we are both on growth paths in our life we are looking at some difficult topics like our codependency and what that's done for our lives and we are shifting it wow and um We are like, everything is not all roses in our marriage right now. Um, So like, yeah, I have, I have a husband and I have a baby and we're like in the shit of it right now, guys.
0: Yeah. God, I love you for saying that, Lori, because I think sometimes when we go on social media and, you know, we both have a lot of friends with a lot of influence, large audiences, and and it's so fascinating to me because these are my friends that I spend time deeply connecting with. And this is what I'm hearing is, you know, one friend who built a huge audience of a million followers on Instagram and she's making a career pivot. And with every day her talking about different topics on her Instagram, less people are following her, less people are engaging. And she's feeling like she's lost everything she's built and she's in this crisis of like, God, I worked so hard to build this and now nobody wants to hear me. It's like, there's this underbelly. And so it's like, what you're really doing by sharing Lori is kind of doing the work that you said to do at the beginning of what is your belief and what is the reality? So your belief is it's easy for them to be more worthy or to be, to be having more things than me because they're more beautiful. But then there's the reality of, Oh no, they have their shit too. And you know, this just makes me think of so many people. So Oh my God. Thank you so much for sharing. What an amazing conversation. And so many women are going to listen to this, they know and be moved. So where can they
1: find you? Yeah, you can find me at theworthyone.com. Um, that's our website, and I also have a Facebook group that I'd love for you guys to join. Um, if you go to facebook dot com slash groups slash the worthy one, mm-hmm. um, I do so many videos in there and um, and there's so many resources there that can support you. Thank you
0: so much for being on the show, Lori. This was really beautiful and real, and I'm so excited to hear from everybody after they listen.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Th- not just you, but every lady who's listening right now.
0: Yeah, God, what a great interview. Thank you so much. Hi, wow, what a conversation with Lori that was. Um, I have so many thoughts coming up and the first one is a story that i want to share with you so back in 2006 i started volunteering for ronald mcdonald with good times um, or ronald mcdonald for good times it's a summer camp the only summer camp in the world for little kids who have cancer and it also uh, allows their siblings to go because in theory if a little kid has cancer their sibling kind of goes down in flames with the family because the whole family is sitting in a hospital all the time and it becomes all about that kid who's really sick. So I've been volunteering um, some summers for at Camp Ronald McDonald for good times. And there was one particular summer, the first time I ever volunteered, I was 19 years old. Now I'm 31. So it's been a minute. And there was a little girl in my summer, you know, my little camp cabin And her name was Naomi. And I was there for 15 days to spend with these kids. They were all little girls, ages 10 to 13, either having cancer in remission or with a sibling that had cancer. And I spent those two weeks in a cabin with them as their mentor and as a volunteer counselor. And there was this one moment where I remember I stepped out of the cabin because I felt some tears coming up for me. And it was just an emotionally loaded experience to be surrounded by kids who were so sick. But what made me step out of the cabin was that I had just broken up with my boyfriend of five years from ages 12 to 18, so almost six years. And then I went to college and we'd you know, been broken up, but he was my high school sweetheart. We had, I won, um like we won best couple and prom queen, prom king you know and i had a story that i was runner up prom queen just because so many people voted for him to be prom king and they just had to vote for me was the story i told myself um but you know obviously i've worked on my worthiness so much over the years and i remember this moment 11 12 years ago standing outside the cabin and feeling some grief come up about the person that i just left after 5 years with him and and wanting to share this experience i had in this summer camp with these to 12 little girls who are really sick and what they're learning and what I'm learning through spending all this time with them. And I remember one of the little girls, Naomi, she walked out of the cabin and she caught me crying and she wasn't supposed to be out of the cabin. And she said, are you okay? And my, my camp name was bug because my dad's always called me Asher bug and you're not allowed to use your real name at summer camp. So she said, bug, are you Okay. And I said, Oh, no, you're not supposed to see me crying. This isn't good. But I guess it's okay, because tears are okay. And she said, Why are you crying? You know, is this a third, you know, 12 year old girl. And I said, Well, if I'm being honest, I broke up with a, a boyfriend, I was with him for five and a half years. And we broke up recently. And I sometimes I get sad. And you know how grief is, it's a moving target. And it hits you when it wants to. And it just hit me. And I looked at her and she looked at me and I said, You know, you're going through so much, you know, with your cancer and with, you know, not only did she have cancer, but she was dealing with extreme poverty. And to add to more of it, one of her parents killed her other parent, literally stabbed them to death. Um, she lived in the project. So she has cancer. One parent killed the other one. So this is her story. And I said, you have had so much happen to you this past year. I can't believe that I'm crying to you over this, and I can't believe you're seeing it. And she said something to me that I will never, ever forget, and I want to offer this to you. She said, Bug, your heart is this big, and she held up a fist. And she said, when you have pain, the whole thing feels it, and it feels the same. It just takes it over. And even if you think the pain is small... Even if you think the pain is big, it takes over your whole heart because pain is pain. Holy shit, right? Like a 12-year-old little girl with cancer who lives with her grandma because one parent's in jail and the other one killed the other one. So I know I'm not telling this story, you know, with the perfect grace that I could, but what the message is here is that everybody has their pain in their heart. Everybody's carrying it with them. Everybody has pain around worthiness. And it's truly a choice to believe something different, to do the work, to journal every day on the evidence until you rewire that brain to visualize, to meditate, to see something bigger for you. Because the reminder I got when I left Camp Ronald McDonald for good times as a volunteer counselor, and I've gone back since, is that we're all made of the same stuff. Our brains, our blood, our bodies. And the only difference between you and someone who's out there doing the things you wish you could be doing is that they believed that they could do it that they upped their worthiness in the face of failure, in the face of fear. They believed that something was possible and they ran on fumes in that belief to go take inspired action. So if there's anything I want to impart to you, it's this. It's that you are born worthy. It is your birthright. You come into this planet worthy. You are born full of love and you are taught fear. You're taught to look both ways when you cross the street because you could get hit by a car. You're taught not to talk to strangers because, you know, maybe they are going to take you, abduct you. You're taught fear. And in some ways it's practical, right? We learn to be healthy. You know, it's healthy to be afraid of certain things so that we take action on it but in a lot of ways we've gotten out of hand with our fears and it stops us from living our lives and it puts us into a story about our life that isn't even true. So my invitation for you is this, what do you really want in your life? And what are you believing about yourself that is keeping you from having that? Start doing your evidence journal, start surrounding yourself with people who believe that that's possible. And start taking small inspired actions towards it because it's a feedback loop. The, the more action you take, the more results you're going to get as feedback. All right. This is Ashley Stahl, um, the host of U-Turn podcast and the founder of Cake Publishing Ghost Writing House. I'm so honored to be sharing this story with you. And I'm moved by this interview because worthiness is something that I've battled and now, I have tears coming up now, but if this is what's going on for you, I want you to know that there's a whole reality out there that I know is possible for you. I know it's available for you because I have crossed that bridge in a lot of ways and tapped into it. And sometimes I'll go back on the dark side, not all, not often, but I know about this reality that is there for you. And I'm so ready for you to tap into that. All right. Full of tears, sending you a lot of love. Thanks for listening to U-Turn Podcast.
1: Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. You can find all of the resources that our guest mentioned on our
0: show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com. Also, don't forget on the website, we've got our four free e-courses, whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch your dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. I'll talk to you soon. Can't wait to Connect on next week's episode.